0: Now, it's been a bit of a strange week, and um, I know I'm quite involved in politics, um, as some of you might have seen on Facebook, I quite enjoy it, and um, I think in our country, I think we've been quite divided this week. Um, We've all been a bit left, right and centre. Excuse the pun. Um, That wasn't actually deliberate. Um, But we have been a bit all over the place. Um, The person we thought we were going to win lost, but won. One won but lost in a way. Um, we have somebody that lost but we're saying they won and um, we have a Scottish party who won but again we say they lost and it all gets a bit confusing and um, I know personally um, I failed in my walk with God this week um, and I'll be very straight up about it so I've got very stressed about this election and um, I've got certain views and I thought well there's a party that doesn't come into well, whatever party comes in power, one way or another, I might end up very disappointed. And I, might, and I'm getting, I was getting stressed out about that. I was losing my peace over it. And actually, that is, and that really challenged me. And I was thinking, well, why, why am I losing my peace over, in, over this? Um, is it because I'm putting my trust in the wrong place? And um, actually, I think... I, I guess I realised that my trust wasn't in the kingdom of God anymore. And... Um, we have the kingdoms of this world, and actually they're very divided. We have kingdoms divided by different ethnicity, by, we have lots of issues that divide us, gender, racial lines, national lines, political lines. And yet, the kingdom of God transcends all of those. And actually our prime minister is Jesus, Jesus Christ. And um, those are the things I want to talk a bit about this morning. So if you have a kingdom... A kingdom is the dome, the sphere of influence, the domain over which a king rules. So when we speak of the kingdom of God, it's a sphere of influence over which God rules. So when we're kingdom people, we're meant to come into this dome and we're meant to be under the lordship of Christ. Now the kingdoms of this world are also other domes but they're not domes that overlap with the kingdom of God because they're in opposition. And I'll explain this a bit more later. They're in opposition to the kingdom of God because they have a different domain where a king rules, a leader, a ruler rules. And um, if we go back to um, Genesis 1, um, it it's, um, says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and every living thing that moves on the earth. Now God created man and woman and he created them equal. And that, that's quite clear in the text. He created them as helpers, but the word helper is as an equal helper for women. And um The man isn't to rule over the woman, the woman isn't to rule over the man when God created them. He clearly said, go forth, multiply, be fruitful, and rule over the earth. Take care of it, rule over the animals. But he never told man to rule over another man. That was not part of God's plan. God created man in God's image. Now, when Genesis was written, it was in a context where the term image of God that we read in Genesis, when it says God created man in his image, is that term was applied to kings in the ancient Near East. So in a sense, it's a kingly term. God created man as a king to rule over the earth, rule over, subdue it, take care of it. And actually, if man is a king in the image of God, you can't be lording over another man. If you have one king... He can't be inferior to another king, otherwise he's no longer a king. You can't have a king ruling over another king and still be kings. And when you look at God's intention in Genesis 1, it never was for man to rule over another man. That's not what he intended. And we see that throughout the history of the Israelites. And actually, in the book of Judges, um, God wanted to be the ruler of the Israelites. He set the Israelites apart to show an example to the other nations of how it means for a people ruled under the dome, under the kingdom of God. And yet, the Israelites, after a while, didn't like that. Why is that? Because they didn't trust God. In 1 Samuel 8, 5-7 read, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king for us to judge us like all the other nations. But the the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day that I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day, in that they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now then, listen to their voice. However, you shall solemnly warn them and tell them of the procedure of the king who will reign over them. And then Samuel goes on to tell the Israelites how about a king will reign over them, take cats, imprison them if if they do wrong, um, call them up to fight for him, etc., etc. And a lot of the negatives that then come once they have a king. Nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles." And um, we see quite clearly in this quote that God says to Samuel, "The people have rejected me. They haven't rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me in demanding a king and demanding a ruler over them. The people have rejected God as their ruler." And um, we can't, we can't, we can't emphasise that so enough. The lordship of the Israelites was meant to be God. He was meant to be their Lord, yet they demanded an earthly king. And um, God God didn't want that. He asked Samuel to reason with them and see if they would change, but they didn't. Because, actually, the Israelites were surrounded by many different nations. They were surrounded by many armies, and I think they were afraid. They were insecure. They were struggling. They kept being invaded throughout Judges because they weren't putting their trust in God. They were afraid and they didn't. no longer could they put their trust in an invisible God. They started to want to put their trust in a king that would fight for them. They were transferring the trust that they had in God to a trust in another ruler. And in a sense, they were moving from the kingdom of God under the sphere of influence of God and putting their trust in him to moving into the sphere of influence under the domain of a king and put their trust in the king. And that's not what God wanted. God never wanted people to be ruled over by a king. Now, it might be something he accepts and he might put governments in place, but that's not his initial design. It's a subsequent thing from the fallenness of man that God has to work that way. But it wasn't God's intention. It wasn't God's intention in the Garden of Eden. And it wasn't God's intention for the people of Israel of whom we've been grafted into that line. And as Christians, as Kingdom of God, it's God's intention for us to have Christ and God as our ruler again. And actually, we see it that the Israelites are trusting in human rulers. And their trust in a human ruler is an equivalent to rejecting God. Jesus says you can't have two masters. We either find our security in God, or we find our security in some form of human rulership. That might be um, stars we look up to, that might be governments, that might be many different things, ethics that we value, teachings that we value, many different things but ultimately if you're putting your trust in something other than God you're rejecting God and in that and we see actually that in a way every system every kingdom of this earth is therefore a rejection of God as king it's not just the israelites that rejected God as king every group or governmental system of kingdoms in this earth, but the fact that it's separate from God and has a human rulership, it is rejecting God as king because it's putting trust in man and no longer in God. It's a rejection of God. And yet, Jesus came and um, he taught us to join, the, he talked about the kingdom of God. And we find that actually the kingdom of God is completely different from the kingdoms of this earth. They're two polar opposites. You can see that the kingdoms of this earth come from rejection of God and the way they're founded. The UK was founded in war throughout the different kingdoms of Wessex, Essex and North um, Cumbria, etc. Um, the US is supposedly a supposedly Christian nation. They call themselves a Christian nation. That was founded on slavery. That was founded on a rebellion, killing all the people, all the English, because they didn't want to pay taxes to the queen. It was founded in violence, Because actually, they were in a kingdom which isn't the kingdom of God. Jesus teaches another way. He teaches a kingdom of love, of nonviolence, of peace, of equality, etc. In Matthew 20 25, 28, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentile lord over them and the high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is a servant king. The kingdom of Christ is completely different. We serve one another, we don't lord it over one another. In John 13, we see Jesus washing the disciples' feet, and he's saying, You go and do the same. Don't lord over one another, don't rule over one another. Serve one another, love abundantly. Do not force anyone. God is not a coercive God with humanity. He gives us free will, He gives us freedom to make choices for good or for evil. And he lets us do it because that is the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom of freedom, of love. Because actually, love entails freedom. You can't love somebody and not remove their freedom. You're not loving them. And um, it's completely different from the kingdom of this world. You look at the recent elections, and we, I don't want to be political here, but, so I'll pick on both sides. But you have somebody who says, We're not for the many, we're not for the few, but we're for the many. Well, actually, you're creating division lines because you're putting the many above the few. You're lording the many over the few. You're creating a division between the many and the few. In some sense, a democracy is lording the voice of the majority over the minority. And yet, God says, don't lord over one another. You look at another side who says, vote for me, I'm strong and stable. Put your faith in me, trust in me. That's not the kingdom of God, is it? We're not meant to be putting our faith in a person. That's complete opposite to the kingdom of God. Don't put your faith in someone. You see it again with... I heard um, an EU dem, um, um, official say recently, the UK shot itself in the foot, we'll shoot it in the other foot. That's not the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of vengeance, of violence. You do this, oh, I'll do that to you. Um... Do you have somebody that says, I'm a pacifist? They can't be. Do you you want me to tell you why? Because they put their trust in themselves. Because actually, a pacifist isn't just somebody that doesn't attack outside. Well, if they were attacked, would they turn the other cheek? I doubt it, because they don't put their trust in God. They'll still defend themselves. That's not true pacifism. It isn't. And whatever political party we follow, etc., we need to realise that none of them are godly. None of them are Christian. There might be godly Christian people that try their best in it, but you can't say it is Christian, because by default, power, a kingdom of earth, is lording over another, even if it's for good causes, even if it's been good, etc. You are lording the authority of man over another. And you might think that what I'm saying is a bit shocking here, but it gets worse. Now bear with me. It gets worse. Bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) You have the kingdom of heaven and you have the kingdoms of this world. But actually, where do the kingdoms of this world originate from? In Luke 4 to 5, Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 7, read The devil led him up, this is Jesus, to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus rejects it and says, No, God says only serve me. But actually, when we look at the temptations in Luke, and you'll find it also in Matthew, Jesus doesn't say what Satan's saying is wrong. Satan, the first, second one, quotes scripture, which you know is true. Jesus isn't actually arguing saying, no, you're not Lord, a lord over all the nations of the earth. He understands that Satan is lord. And we don't just find in this passage, we find in quite a few passages of the New Testament. In John 12, 31, Jesus talks about the rule of the world. The RK in Greek. The NRV translates it as prince, but that's not the right. The NSB is more, and North American Standard Bible is more accurate and it translated it as a ruler. You find the same expression in John 14.30 and John 16.11. Paul calls Satan the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, or the prince of the power of the air. Now the air was a bit that was closest to the earth in Greek times, and they saw that as a in that held how, how the most influence over the earth. So when he calls him the prince of the power of the A's, in the sense saying that Satan is the most influential person over the kingdoms of the earth. In Acts 26, 18, when, we're talk, when um, the author is talking about conversion, he talks about turning from under the dominion, under the authority of Satan to God. It says you're turning from darkness to light. The word for darkness is scotos. And it's got Indo-European roots, for those who are interested in linguistics. And um, an Indo term in Sanskrit is shatra, which is linked with scotos, and it means an umbrella. And often scotos in the, in the NT, based on those roots, is translated as a dominion, the dome of darkness. Because actually, when we become Christians, we transfer not just from the dome of the kingdoms of this earth, but we transfer from the dome of the kingdoms of this earth our influence ultimately by darkness to the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of light. Again, you can find it in 1 Colossians 1.13, where he says he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of sun. 1 John 5.19, he says the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. If it's a whole world, it means governments too you can have Christians in power. You can have Christians in leadership. But ultimately, the structure of governance is not God's initial plan. It's a result of the fall. Because government, and, and I'm not saying we go against government because I'll, we'll see later there's reasons to respect government, etc. But the whole concept of a kingdom of Israel is lording, man at the top, lording, actually behind the scenes, influenced by evil, lording over others. Even in democracy, it's not just a thing in dictatorships. In all form, it's man ruling. It's people putting their trust in man. It's humanism. It's not putting your trust in God. It's a rejection of God as ruler. And I guess if Satan is prime minister of kingdoms, the prime influencer behind, why are we even surprised when our politicians lie, when they're corrupt, when they're hypocritical, when they don't fulfil their promises? I don't want to be negative here, but even if, good, if they, even if they're good godly people, they're coming into a sphere which is darkness and they are going to struggle, which is why we need to pray for them. But they are going to struggle why well, I was surprised over the chaos this general election. The enemy is chaos. He brings chaos. If we're in the kingdom of God, let us not put trust and hope in the kingdoms of this world. James 4.4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What does that mean? how much are we getting influenced by this kingdom up here, this kingdom of man? If we're, a kingdom, if we're meant to be son in this kingdom, we need to put on our trust in this kingdom. To be a kingdom son or a kingdom daughter, only Jesus becomes your hope. To be a kingdom son or a kingdom daughter, only Jesus becomes your joy. To be a kingdom son or a kingdom daughter, only Jesus becomes the one you trust. Only Jesus becomes your peace, your source of security. If your security is in government, having been strong and stable, or having certain weapons or certain armies, etc., to defend you, your security is in the wrong place. If we are part of this dome, we can't be part of that dome. We're not to be submitted to any other ruler than God. We're not to live as people of the kingdom of men. Submitted to the rulers of men. Ephesians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're called to be citizenship, citizens of heaven. Our identity is meant to be in this kingdom. And actually, it means that when we get involved in this kingdom, we're not to be part of it. We're meant to be. I'm not saying we uh, stay away of it, but the way we interact, we need to be very wise about how we interact with it. In one Peter two eleven, it says we're aliens and exiles in this world. Um, we're not of this world. God has taken us out of it. In John seventeen fifteen, Jesus constantly praying, my disciples, my followers, they're not of his world as I'm not of the world. And Jesus prays for our protection. He doesn't pray for us to be removed from the world, from the kingdom of men, from this fear. In a sense, we're not, we're not in it, but we, we're still part of this earth. We are still stood in it. And if, he doesn't say, God, just take them up to heaven and remove them. But he does pray for our protection because he knows that we can easily be influenced by this fear if we're not constantly standing under the kingdom of God. We're also ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20, if you want to have on. We don't live in this world as part of it. We're here to, as an ambassador. We've been removed out of the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We've been brought into it, but now we've been sent back as ambassadors. But what does it mean as an ambassador? It means you're sent there temporarily. You don't take on, an ambassador doesn't take on citizenship of the country he's living in. If you're an ambassador of the UK in France, you remain a UK citizen. Your citizenship isn't French if you're a UK ambassador in France. And the same way, our citizenship is not of this earth. We must not act in the way of the people of this earth because our citizenship is in heaven. We don't take on the customs and practices of this earth. We represent the kingdom that sent us. We take on the practices and customs of the kingdom that sent us. We're in on earth on an assignment, it's temporary. And the same way an ambassador doesn't meddle actually that much in the affairs of the country sent. A UK ambassador in France will live in France, but he won't become French. It's meant to, if he becomes French, how does he represent England? If he adopts all the practices, if he identifies that way, if he starts getting involved in French politics and French governments and French ways of thinking and French ways of doing things, he's no longer representing England. Paul says um, to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2 verse 3, Suffer hardships with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. We have the affairs of Christ to focus on first and foremost. Now what does that mean for the church, for us as Christians? Well, there's two extremes. When the church started, it was very separate from the the Roman Empire. People were afraid of it because actually they saw it. it It was actually viewed slightly sectarian, Because actually they did stay away from the world. And I think we've lost that from the early church. Is that to some extent they want to keep themselves pure and holy. But then at times they probably went too far down one extreme. You had the ascetics, people that completely removed themselves from the wilderness. Thought that anything, they could be completely away from the world. And we know that that isn't what the Bible calls us to do. Jesus doesn't ask us to be removed from the world, to go out into the desert. Might do it for time and it can be handy. resource, but actually we're not meant to live out in the desert as a desert monk for all our life, because we're actually called to be in the world. But at the same time, we see when the church went wrong, completely messed up. Constantine in 312 at the battle of the Milvian Bridge, apparently had a vision of the Lord, converted to Christianity. Um, But after that, the church was a complete mess. As soon as the church became the official religion of the Roman Empire and started gaining power became a complete mess complete mess, and it was a complete mess for about a thousand years until the Reformation when the early church was slowly being removed from the grasp of power and when us as Christians we move into power actually it becomes very dangerous because power means ruling and lording over other people yet as kingdom people we're not meant to do that if a Christian becomes a ruler Well actually, is that part of the kingdom of God? I'm not not saying either I'm just asking questions here. Actually, if you become a ruler, and you're starting to impose on other people, are you fulfilling the kingdom of God? And the thing is, when we move into this kingdom, and we get too involved in it, we actually get influenced, we get stressed out. I moved too far into that kingdom. I got stressed out by the general election. I got anxious. And then I started to argue. I started to debate. And actually, I realized I was getting quite emotional about it. And actually, I wasn't necessarily always being the kindest with people. And actually, I got corrupted by the kingdom of this world because I got entangled in it. And I needed to actually withdraw myself to a kingdom where actually... Leadership, the leadership of the Lord is uncontested. He is king of king, he is lord of lords. It's an uncontested leadership. It's a leadership where I can be secure and safe, knowing that nothing's gonna come and change. Nothing's gonna come and defeat us, because actually I'm under the lordship of Christ, and nothing can separate me from his love. Nothing can remove eternal life. God has, blessed, God has poured out his blessing and his love upon each one of you. And actually you're under the lordship of Christ and you're safe. You don't have to get angry or emotional or upset or anxious because you're under his lordship. But when we move into this kingdom, we start getting entangled by it. And actually, if we're not ready to go into this kingdom whilst still knowing that we're part of that kingdom, we, maybe it's better we don't at times. It's a question worth asking. If I, can't get, if I can't come into this world, into the kingdom of men, whilst remaining part of that kingdom and I get entangled in it, is it the right thing for me to do? Because if I come into this kingdom and I get entangled in it and show the practices of it, yet I still call myself a Christian, I'm not being a good ambassador. If the UK ambassador goes to France and starts acting like a French person, he's not being a good ambassador for the UK. Should you be there if you're not being a good ambassador? I need to ask myself that question. And the danger is actually, is this kingdom and our governments... Actually, they have a religious aspect to them. They have a ritual dimension. They're symbols. One of them's a national anthem. Oh, if you don't stand up and worship the national anthem, the press is going to be all over you. The other one's our NHS. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but we do kind of worship it at times in the UK. And then actually, there's voting. Oh, if we're part of this kingdom, under the rulership of the United Kingdom, oh, the right thing is for everyone to go and vote. But actually, when you go and vote, you're submitting to the rulership of the kingdom. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm just saying we need to be careful. We need to think about it. We come into this kingdom and we, the people, the press, the culture, everything is um conflict. You read one newspaper and they slag off one political party. Read the other newspaper and they slag off this party. You listen to one politician and he slags off the rich, and you listen to the other and they slag off the poor. This isn't the kingdom of God, and it influences us. It draws us apart. You actually end up realizing you go and vote. Well, I didn't realize that. I go and vote, but then I start fighting for a candidate. I start arguing his merits. I start arguing, oh, this candidate's better than yours. Oh, this candidate is going to be more hope. Well, that really sanded me, actually, when people said, oh, this candidate brought hope to young people. I was like, why the hope is in him? Why is the hope not in Jesus? Why is the hope not in God? But actually, when I go and vote and I start affiliating in a way, I can easily start being ensnared by it. Arguing for that person. And when I start arguing for that person and supporting that person, it's very easy for me to start putting my trust in that person. It's very easy for me to start replacing God with them. And we end up compromising. We end up compromising. I know I failed. And I know I forgot for a while that my Prime Minister isn't Theresa May. My Prime Minister is Jesus Christ. And actually, whilst I'm in this world, to some extent, Theresa May holds no power over me. She shouldn't, because I'm part of this kingdom. And an ambassador, when he gets sent out to a kingdom, so the UK ambassador, if he goes to France, the UK ambassador has diplomatic immunity. It was signed in the Accords of Vienna in 1961. An ambassador that goes to another country doesn't come under the rules of that country. He could literally go and commit murder under the terms of diplomatic immunity. The sending kingdom might withdraw his diplomatic immunity and get him prosecuted, but he could. At best, the kingdom could expel him. The UK UK um, ambassador goes to France and commits murder, all the French can do is expel him. They're not allowed to arrest him. They're not allowed to quiz him. He has diplomatic immunity. And when we're part of the kingdom of God, actually, we're not under the influences of this world. Now, it doesn't mean we don't submit to them, because if you want to be an ambassador, you show respect, you show love, you show the kingdom values. And the Bible clearly says, respect your leaders, submit to them. But actually, we need to realise that our leaders aren't God's plan. We might be praying for Christians in power, but government isn't God's ideal plan. It's something that God's working with, but it wasn't his plan in the beginning. His plan was for people to live in harmony in the Garden of Eden and no one ruling over one another but everyone submitting to the lordship of Christ. His plan was not to have rulers over one another which is why he was so disappointed with the Israelites because as soon as they got a rule over them they lost the rulership of God. And the questions you can ask yourself is to you know if you're starting to get entangled is... When you start thinking about politics, when you start thinking about the things of this kingdom, do you start having hostile thoughts towards those who disagree with your political opinions? Do you start getting angry? It's alright to be baffled. It's alright not to understand. That's alright. I'm baffled at times with people who have different views from me. But there shouldn't be any hostility there. We should love them. We should pray for them. We should honor them in exactly the same way of the people that agree with us. We shouldn't treat them any different. People who agree with us or disagree with us. We should all love them in the same equal way because that's the kingdom of God. Jesus ended up dying for those people. The people who disagree with you, the people who have got complete opposite views and you might think their views are terrible. You might think their views are ungodly but Jesus died for them. Jesus thought they were worth dying for and they have infinite worth and he gave his life for them. And you need to treat them in the same way. We all do. And that's the question to ask yourself if when I'm coming to the team I going to get entangled there? Am I being hostile to people who disagree with me? Do you have anxiety and fear is the other question. Because if you start getting worried about what's going to happen in this kingdom you're putting your trust in it. You're no longer putting your trust in the first kingdom, in the kingdom of God. Because actually, if you put your trust in this kingdom, you'll always be disappointed. Even There's no such thing as a Christian leader because the fact that you're leading, you're not fully obeying the kingdom of God and the fact that you're ruling. But you can have Christians in power, but even if you've got a Christian in power, you'll always end up being disappointed by them. Because actually, they're in a kingdom that is in the end, ruled by Satan. And actually, they will fall. We need to pray for them to fall as little as possible, but the influences over them means that they will end up messing up. They will n- Because they're human and sinful, and they're fickle. And they're fallen. And we can pray for them as much as we like, but we'll always end up disappointed if we put our trust in this kingdom because it is under the dominion of the prince of darkness. Now, how do we come away from those things? Psalm 91, coming into land, Psalm 91 verse one and two, says, whoever drows in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Again, see it. If you're in the shelter, you have trust. If you step out, if you're in the shelter of God, you have trust. If you step out of that shelter, you're going to be losing your trust. You put your trust in something else, and you ultimately you're going to be losing your peace. So we need to put ourselves under the shelter of God, under be in His Word. If it means not voting, I know people, and I, was, I know people that decide not to vote because actually they realize that when they vote they get entangled by the dominion and the religious nature of this kingdom. They get entangled by it. Now that's a personal decision that we all have to make. Maybe it means stopping reading the news for a while or watching the news on TV because actually It's all about hostility. It's all about fear and blaming other people and putting one another down and ultimately putting their trust in a human government. Making man God, making man the savior, making man the person who's gonna solve all their problems. And it's difficult because it is easier to trust a visible person than an invisible one. But we need to make a choice. You really need to make a choice and think, well, if I'm in this kingdom, where am I in this kingdom? And if I'm an ambassador from this kingdom into this kingdom, how am I going to act? Do I pull out completely? Do I get involved? But then do I get corrupted if I get too involved? Now, we mustn't be afraid of being corrupted to some extent because God's grace is over us. God's grace covers us and he loves us. But there are things to think about. Where ultimately is our hope. Because actually, whoever leads our country, whoever leads our world or influences, actually is never going to be able to do the will of God. They might be able to do the will of God in that situation, but the ultimate will of God is that everyone is in peace and harmony and in love, or those who are saved, in the kingdom of heaven, where no one rules over one another, but they're under the rulership of, rulership of God. Yet whoever comes in here, by definition, if they're in government and power, are going to be ruling over people, which is not the will of God. So I guess my challenge for you this morning is to really ask those questions over the coming weeks. Where am I positioning myself? Where's my trust? Where does my trust lie? Who influences me? What choices am I going to make?